I actually, um, and I don't mean this to sound cold, but I actually like down markets. I think it's, if you do the right things, it's a great time to really shine. Welcome to another episode of the Elite Selling Podcast. We are your hosts, Frankie and Griffin. Today, we are joined by our friend and very special guest, Elizabeth Andrew. Elizabeth is a three-time VP of sales. She's a strategic advisor, TEDx speaker. She's an author in progress. She's all over LinkedIn. Uh, And today we're talking about a very important topic, selling in an economic downturn and how to navigate the current macro that we're in in March of 2023. So we're going to talk about the importance of understanding your customer, the metrics that they care about. But in general, you know, when the going gets tough, the tough get going, right? Let's jump in. Elizabeth, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. So nice to be here. Happy to have you. Happy Friday. The weather is finally nice in the Bay Area. We're yeah. loving it. Sunshine coming in. It's great. Oh, yeah. I love it. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you again for, for joining us on today's show. Um, just as we were prepping for this episode, we talked about a few different topics that are top of mind in March and end of March 2023. April is right around the corner. Uh, most of us are putting Q1 in, in our rearview mirror. And one of the key topics that just keeps coming up, in, in especially in today's selling environment, is navigating this sort of new macro and selling in an economic downturn and, and how that's changed the landscape in, in 2023 specifically. This is my first time selling in a downturn. I think Frankie's as well. So would love your take and, and sort of why the, this topic is so important to you and have you navigated these, how you've seen the best sellers uh, sort of navigate this. Would, would love your take on that. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I've always, I've, I've experienced a lot of down markets. In fact, I graduated college and I wanted to get into the investment industry with one of the largest uh, downturns ever. And I've been, been through this before selling investment products and, um, went, of course, through 0708. And um, so certainly, certainly comfortable with down markets. Um, I actually, um, and I don't mean this to sound cold, but I actually like down markets. I think it's, if you do the right things, it's a great time to really shine. And, you know, it's it's one of those um, comments we hear a lot that rising boats lift all tides. And, you know, anybody can be a top producer in, in a thriving market like we've seen for the last few years. It's when when things really, when the shit hits the fan is when you can really set yourself apart. Absolutely. And so you just mentioned it. If you do the right things as a seller, it can be your time to shine. You walk us through some of those right things and what you've seen. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, to give you a little context, I started out in the investment industry. I ended up taking many years as a stay-at-home mom, and then relaunched a career in tech. Uh, moved back to the Bay Area from the East Coast in 2011, and, and launched a career in tech. Um, and so, I've been in sales for a while. Back when when carrying a bag was carrying a bag, um, you know, and. We used to call it, I, I was trained when I was moved east, uh, I was calling on Merrill Lynch and Smith Barney and uh, all of these investment firms. I was trained by some of the top investment mutual fund wholesalers in the world. And I mean, one of them was making, I think, 5 million in commissions. I mean, it was, you know, there was so much, you know, out of New York and, um, and whatnot. So 
in those days, we called it a business plan. So every seller on every team would have to put together a business plan before the new fiscal year. And it's really, you know, it's a plan for your whole region. Today, we call it a playbook, right? And so it's like making sure and, and depending on, you know, kind of what your infrastructure is, you know, if you're using a CRM, there's certain exit and entry criteria at, at each one of the stages. You want to make sure that you're going through and, and checking all of those things. So if you're doing all the activities, uh, you know, focus on what you could control, the number of people you talk to, the quality of your presentation, and making sure you're going through all the steps, um, you will get there. Yeah, it makes sense. And Griff and I are big believers in it. It's what we sell in our in our day job. So we're right there with you. What do you say to somebody that is like, well, selling is more of an art than a science. And I, I know where all the bodies are buried. I don't need to worry about systems and playbooks and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is something that can be very controversial depending on who you talk to on this. Um, and I, I know one of the questions, I mean, I really do believe, I know both of you guys are enterprise seasoned sellers um, and really what separates good from great is having that ability to put your, doing all the right things. That's going to elevate you to begin with. But the next step is then having the ability to really understand your customers and doing your research and having that, that's where EQ comes in, um, in the seller's world is really putting yourself in, in their shoes and understanding what their motivations are. Yeah. I'm What's still trying to get my head around the $5 million commission check uh, from that <laughs> back in the day. Yeah, that's, that's that, pretty impressive. I can't imagine. I think it, but it was, it was, it was definitely seven figures. So. I can't imagine the taxes on that in California. Hopefully he wasn't in California. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Well, you mentioned it, right? Uh, the key through everything is understanding your customer and what they're going through. Last yeah. year, two years ago, it was grow at all costs. Just, just right. revenue, ARR, growth, right? right? Whatever you got to do to grow. Now it's sort of shifting and we just keep hearing the, um, the, the motto, do more with less. So you talk about understanding your customers and what they're going through. I mean, what sort of recommendations do you make to sellers today to better understand their customers? Is it, hey, go look at their 10K, go look at their earnings transcript? Is it go just network with with leaders in the industry to 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 learn more? I mean, what's uh, what's your recommendation there? All those things are great. You know, becoming a student of your profession and really, you know, it depends. And, and I'm I'm presuming that a lot of this is coming around enterprise, right? Because enterprise yeah. is quite different than um, the little bit more transactional or mid-market sales, right? So you've got, you know, you have to really multi-thread uh, and make sure that you've got uh, stakeholders that are in the game. You know, one of the the, the biggest things that I take with me is every decision or most decisions in your life that are made about you, whatever it is, whether you get into school, whether you, you know, it, you're not in the room for it, mm -hmm. whether you get the job, right? So you've got to arm the people that, that you're trying to um, navigate within the enterprise organization with the tools to be able to successfully internally sell the product. So that sounds to me like a champion conversation, right? Whether it's champion to go get a new job or a champion to go sell new, whatever you're selling, software, hardware, how do you equip your champions? What does that process look like? Yeah, 
You know, again, it's doing, um, I do very, you know, some people don't like ROI. I really like ROI assessment and analysis and really understanding what, you know, what, what are all the factors that, that they care about, you know, and it depends on what solution you're selling, but, you know, are you saving time? Are you saving money? Are you saving, um, you know, is this, you know, you, you want to really sort of break down all the elements of your product and understand why they want to buy it. And you can have conversations, get them to get skin in the game too, is really important. Get them in those conversations and um, providing, uh, you know, kind of that value to be a consultant to put a lot of that work in up front. Yeah, yeah. Frank, Frankie and I just got out of our, not just got out of this probably a month ago, we we had our sales kickoff in San Francisco. And I, we've mentioned this on another podcast. One of the key themes was, you know, these companies are not going to buy your software unless they are doing one of three things. Uh, number one, increasing revenue. Number two, decreasing costs. Or number three, mitigating risk. And it's like, all right, how do you tie your pitch back into one of those three key categories? And the other piece of that conversation was, CFOs are getting more active in deals, especially when you're looking at, you know, and purchasing a new software and new hardware, right? Like Frankie mentioned, um, in, in navigating economic downturns, the role of the CFO becoming more hands-on, like how do you help sellers or what do you say to sellers to try and navigate that, that a little bit uh, more efficiently, we'll say. Yeah. Well, one thing that I'm a big believer in is um, using what you have internally. Mm-hmm. You know, and I mean, it depends on what your product is, right? But um, at HelloSign, we were selling e-signature APIs. So 50% of our customers were engineers and developers. So I relied a lot on our CTO and our engineers and developers to understand what messaging, what resonates, what, you know, I mean, I didn't even have this the CTO send me any emails that actually caught his attention because technical people tend to be allergic to sales anyway. You know, I think it's similar if you've got a... a financial person that's going to be in that conversation. You want to mm. really understand like, what are those things? And, you know, when I was selling large enterprise in the investment world, I mean, we were closing deals with municipalities and government and, you know, fortune 500 companies and, and all that we'd take a look at the, you know, if they're public, you take a look at their balance sheet and their statement and you'd find mm. out, like you could really break down, um, you know, if this is going to be a large scale deal, I was selling this. It was a cash management alternative. Ironically, it was a it was a product that was meant to be very stable and a great place to get a higher return. And and uh, and um, it so that's what these companies would do. They'd park yeah. large pieces of money there. But it happened to be it's very relevant because it happened to be a product that we sold is quite stable, but when interest rates change, it affects the price. So uh, we're in a very similar economic environment <laughs> today that we were at that time. And that was a big downturn. We really struggled there for a little while. Um, but um, yeah, so we would look at their balance sheet and we would pull up, like we would, there was a line item and we got this from working with our CFO. There was a line item that was a funded depreciation account. And that was an area of money that we knew could be invested into our product. I like it. That's good. Yeah. What I'm hearing you say is 
maybe before the economy is doing what it's doing today in 2023, you could go in and, and sell on growth like we've been talking about. But now it's you have to take your time to do that homework, to do the prep and go find that second, third, fourth hidden level nugget within the balance balance sheet. And what you did a great job of is bringing in your executives to have that conversation. I think I love your opinion on this, but too many sellers, myself included at times, don't go ask for help because we're just running and gunning, trying to get it done. But actually, in order to be successful, you got to slow down to speed up. I think the best of the best go grab anybody and everybody they can in their organization to say, hey, I have this idea. Can you tell me if I'm wrong? Can you help me see things I'm not seeing? What's your take on that? Yeah, absolutely. We used to have something at HelloSign um, that was... We called it was every Thursday afternoon. Um, we called it CBS, which was a sales meeting. It was chips, beer, and salsa. Um, but we would bring in, you know, we'd bring in our CFO, our lawyer, or you know, or if we didn't, we just have our, you know, head of sales at the time would, you know, train us on something, or we'd have a discussion. But you know, getting into those conversations and being able to take a look at that, particularly when you're getting more CFOs involved, and you know to expand on that funded depreciation account, you know, if you're selling a mission-driven product, maybe there's budget in these companies for DEI, you know, that's being cut in a lot of companies. But you know, you have to look at what your product is, and you can work with uh, people who know where that money would be put park so that you've done the homework to find out if they have budget for it. Yeah. That's interesting. I, I know Frankie doesn't like doing his homework, uh, you know, in the earnings calls, transcripts and 10 K. So anything to make it a little bit easier. He's, he's trying to offload some of his work onto somebody else. That's what he means when it's working with other people. You do all my work for me. Griff. <laughs> yeah. I, I do it all for Tell him. Tell me where to go. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so the, Elizabeth, the other day, actually just yesterday, Frankie and I had a meeting with our CRO and um, one of the questions, it was kind of like a fireside chat. We were talking about the industry, what he's seeing from this chief revenue officer level. His friends are talking about, um, he actually asked us like, what are some of your AE enterprise AE friends saying, what are you seeing out there in the space today? And it's almost like two buckets. There's a group of reps that are doing really well. They've been at their company maybe for a little while. They've got their couple existing customers that are keeping them afloat. And then there's a second bucket that's like shifting jobs every six to seven months. There's some that have been laid off and they're starting new roles. They're interviewing. A um, buddy of mine is interviewing for three different companies, got an offer from one. For those com- For those reps that are looking to do something new in the next couple months, what would you recommend to them in, in this environment, what they look for in a new role or a new job or a new company? Like, what are some of the things that you'd recommend they look out for? Or, yeah, it, this, know? Is a, this is a time, you know, that is, I mean, it's, you know, every downturn is different, right? Yeah. Um, and this is a time where I think it's really important to do as much as you can to make sure a company has financial, they're financially responsible. You okay. know, it, this isn't the time to be joining a company that is, you know, having Michelin star chef and all the, uh, you know, bells and whistles. I think, you know, if you find a company and I, I, I've done every size company, I've been through a couple acquisitions, but I tend to live more in the mid market or I mean the startup world yeah. in, in building sales. But, um, you know, it's, uh, it's a time that you really want to find out, um, whether or not they're financially responsible. The other thing that I think is really important that you're, I'm hearing a lot from CROs is um, looking at NRR, 
net retention rates and, you know, finding out if their customers are happy. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I would highly recommend people go in, into anything with those conversations, making sure you've got um, happy customers, you know, what percentage, of course, there's a lot of the standard questions, like what percentage of people are hitting quota, but you also want to dig into like what those quotas are and what the path to quota is, because I think that, um, you know, I, I, was talking to one company and they had a 400% return last year. That's great, but it's a product that is not going to be able to sell as well this yeah. year. You know, so. So really quick, I heard there, look for a financially responsible company, focus on NRR, right? Make sure the NRR, uh, find out if customers are happy, what percent of reps are hitting quota, what is quota, what's the path to quota? I think those two questions around, hey, what is the quota? What's the path? I think that's a pretty easy question to ask in an interview. I would be pretty intimidated if I'm interviewing for a company to say, like, are you financially responsible? I don't know if you're going to get a straight answer. Uh, Hey, what's your NRR? I don't know if the VP of sales would know or want to share. And are your customers happy? Of course, they're going to say yes. I'm curious if you have any... uh, recommendations on how to dig a little bit deeper or just ask those questions a little bit gent- gentler, you know what I mean? Maybe yeah, that's yeah, maybe yeah, in a softy. Yeah, I mean, I think you can, you can, I mean, again, you, when you are looking for a job, you're mm-hmm. selling, you're yeah. just selling yourself, right? So you want to do all the same activities. You want to do your homework. You can, you can find out like, you know, I would be probably looking for companies if they're startups or hyper growth companies that received funding within the last half of last year, because they're going to have a longer runway. Like you can ask, you know, what is your runway? What is your burn rate? What is, and it's okay to have some of those uncomfortable conversations. I mean, I think it's really important. I, in fact, I would advise anybody, unless you're absolutely not in a good place to hunker down if they can, mm-hmm. you know, but um, it might be a time to, to write it out. I think I mentioned to you guys, my son is an SDR. Yep. And so you know, and he, he's fine, but you know, he's like, he just wants to stay put, you know, and that's a good, good thing to do, you know? So. Yeah. I think, so, I think there's something special about staying put when times get tough and it's, it's a question we've all had our, on our mind. You can't say, sit here and say, you haven't questioned if you want to potentially leave your company or not, like when times get tough, but really when you look in the mirror, like you said, it's what do you have within your company? What resources do you have available? And how can you think creatively, right? Where you had some creative ideas around looking at uh, the balance sheets differently, bringing in executives differently and and looking around the corners versus before, like I've heard you say in other v- interviews, you can kind of show up and it's like the next opportunity, next account just gets passed and you can close a deal. Those times are gone. It's how do you go and get creative? So Right. You've been you've been a VP of sales a few times now, um, a leader throughout your whole career. Let's say it's a it's a Monday morning. You got your sales team, your your leaders in front of you, and it's you know it's the end of March 2023. What are you saying to inspire them, to motivate them? What what advice are you giving them? Oh, that that's a that's a great question, and I think that again depends on the segment. You know, I mean, obviously, you know, if you're in an environment where it's more transactional, you're trying to pull deals in today. On the enterprise, you're looking at building pipeline for H2, second half of the year. You know, it's 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 a it's a different beast. But um, yeah, I mean, I so I I think it really, um, you know, by this by this point, it's baked in enterprise. 
you know, if I'm selling in, um, in more of a um, mid-market realm, it would be a lot different. We'd be bringing donuts in and getting everybody fired up and, you know, so. Uh, yeah. Hey, enterprise sellers like donuts. I mean, I don't know, Frankie, Frankie's, you know, hey, I'll eat a donut workout regimen. I don't know if that's going to work out in the diet, but, uh, you know, pass them my way. Yeah. <laughs> We're hearing the exact same thing at our company. Yeah. It's pipeline. Like that, that is the number one focus for the business right now is getting the pipeline up. What are you doing to generate pipeline? How are you protecting it? Uh, what is next quarter, two quarters, three quarters out look like? And do we have the, the, you know, how can we accelerate this? That's, that's sort of the conversation, at least at our company right now on the enterprise side. Yeah. And that's actually something that's quite different too, because, you know, and I've always, you know, the whole SDR role is something that is a little more unique to tech. And, you know, it's, it's not something that existed. I mean, back when I was selling, you know, investment products, I, we had, it was called a red book. It's essentially a phone book of investment advisors, you know, and you're, you're having to do all of your own prospecting. And uh, we give the hardest task which is cold calling and prospecting to the least experienced sellers. Yeah. So, you know, if you want to really separate yourself, you've got to learn how to build your own pipeline. And we had at Pluma, um, which is a company that I was with um, a couple of years ago. Um, and we were very early stage. There were 19 people in the U S um, the, the company was, we had no marketing team. No SDR, BDR team. It was all enterprise. We closed Amazon, Adobe, Gap, Sephora, Dropbox. It was a 100% outbound motion. Um, and, you know, we also had some product market timing that was good because it was a really good product during the pandemic. And, you know, there's a, always lots of factors, right, that go in. But, um, you know, it's being able to build your own pipeline and create your own pipeline is critical. And especially in enterprise, because those, even if you're in tech, those relationships will stick with you. Totally. Well, you're talking to, to the superstar pipeline gen winner of uh, February for People AI, Mr. Griffin Riley. So Jones, that, wait, wait, Frankie, you have yours pulled pull, pull up. I got there. mine too. It's a little older, <laughs> September. I gotta, I gotta come, come and beat you on this next month, but yeah, come on, dude. I, I completely <laughs> agree, Elizabeth. And that's like, one of my favorite topics to talk about is pipeline generation, because I think if you are sitting here, oh, I'm an enterprise strategic major seller, and you think you're too good to build pipeline, I, I think that you're missing tons of revenue. And like you said, um, the ability to connect with people on a different level, like why wouldn't you want to go and have some of those first touches with your executives, with your directors, with your VPs? Like, why would you wait for somebody to hand you a lead? That's not a winning mentality, in my opinion. So right. it's it's almost like a way to supercharge your business and stack the chips in your favor, no matter what's going on in the economy. So I love that you brought that up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's, it is critical. Like, I would never want to rely on, on SDRs or BDRs to build enterprise pipeline. It's, it, you know, it's just too hard. It's too hard. You've got to build those relationships. I also think another re really big differentiator is thinking outside the box. You know, if you can get out of the house, you know, go to events, network, networking, meeting people. I mean, I went once um, when I was trying to relaunch a career. That was the hardest sale I've ever had to make. Um, I was just being that student in my profession and reading different industry, you know, blogs and whatnot. And I saw there was a meetup in San Francisco for TechCrunch. 
So I bought a ticket and went, you know, it was 20 bucks. I had food trucks and um, didn't know a soul there, but I was in line. I wasn't even working. I was in line, met a CEO, you know, we became friends. He had just moved here from India. He was building a company, didn't get a job out of it, but I literally got um, him to buy business for me years later. So, you know, you never get out of the house you. when you get uncomfortable. We had, we had an old uh, former executive here that used to have this phrase, like during the middle of the pandemic and as you're we coming out of it, he used to say people got really comfortable shooting moose from the lodge, but they didn't want to go out and get in the woods and get dirty and get muddy and make some mistakes. And I think that's so true. Like you never know what's going to happen. Like your example there, if you're just willing to shut the laptop, you got to do it with some intention. You can't just like drive around and see what happens, but go out there and and make some stuff happen in person. I think it's a lost art honestly, which is sad. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, um, and that's brilliant. I wrote it down. Shooting moves from the lodge. I mean, that's Art, Art Harding, if you want to connect to him, I got to give him a shout, shout out to yeah. Art. I love it. All right. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Um, that's really, really clever. Um, and it's true. I mean, it's absolutely true. You know, you've got to, you got to get out, out there and that's, you know, that comes back to, you know, what I think, I think Frankie, you had heard on maybe another podcast is, you know, sometimes all it takes to be the top producer is to be up next in the rotation. Mm -hmm. Those days are gone. So, you know, you want to, you, you want to do the activities and, you know, you can spell it out. You know, what I did is like when I was selling the enterprise um, in, in the investment world, you know, I had part of that playbook, you know, I mapped everything out. And it's like, okay, I'm going to have four in-person meetings four times a week, four four times a day, four days a week. One day a week, I stay in my office. I follow up. I always schedule, make sure I'm two weeks out. You know, if I don't have all four meetings on my calendar two weeks out, then I got to go find some more meetings. You know, so you just you just have to really map out what you would do you know, what your activities are. That's not so different from even mid-market, you know, or SDRs, you know, you, how many emails, how many phone calls, how many booked meetings are you getting? We call those the leading indicators at, uh, at people AI, right? Those are, that, those are going to lead to the pipeline, the key, the key long-term bigger goals. Yep. Quick tactical question I had for you just this was back to the recent webinar that you were on again talking about a similar topic one thing that you mentioned we talk about pipeline and pipeline generation it's very difficult today to walk away from a deal if you see that there's a deal out there you want to chase it with everything you got because they're so precious right now but one thing that you mentioned on the last webinar you were on was sometimes the best deal you close is the one you walk away from elaborate on that A hundred percent. I mean, you know, we've all had had situations where, um, you know, if it's not a fit, you know, you you want to make sure. And I think this is, again, getting back to what separates really the great sellers from the the good sellers is um, really understanding your customer. And if you try to shove a square peg in a round hole, it doesn't end well, Mm -hmm. you know. And I mean, one thing that we all you know, and everybody in the company will suffer from that, you know, your, your customer success team, but also, you know, you don't want to have any clawbacks. Um, you, you also could potentially have that impact your future business with other companies that are a good fit, right? Like just maintaining your integrity and 
Yeah. Credibility. And it's your time too, right? Where you could be selling to people that are a good fit. And like you said, if you try and burn so many cycles, selling, shoving something down somebody's throat, that's not ready for it. They're not going to want to come by from you if six months from now, they actually do have that problem. Yep, exactly. Exactly. They'll go to a competitor, right? So yeah. So Elizabeth, what what are some resources that you'd recommend people to check out uh, specifically for this 2023 economy that we're in? Good question. I mean, I, you know, I would um, I would just continue, you know, LinkedIn is such a great resource and there's so many people in there, you know, like I know you guys know all of the thought leaders and resources there. There are a number of communities. Um, I'm a huge fan. I don't know if you guys know Amy Volus and Scott Lease. They just ended uh, Thursday night sales last night, uh, came to an end, you know, but they they have, Scott has communities. I know Amy's a little bit different business line as a recruiter, but, um, you know, John Barrows, um, you know, all of, all of the great thought leaders out there, I think would really, you should be following. Elizabeth Andrew, great thought leader. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm happy to help. Connect with me on LinkedIn, and I'm I'm always happy to you know answer any questions. And we had Scott on the podcast a few weeks ago, and he was pitching us on getting down to Costa Rica. And I got to admit, it sounds pretty appealing for the Surf and Sales uh, Summit in Costa yeah. Rica podcast. Everything going yeah. on. Yeah, and Richard Harris, he's such a great guy too. So. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Elizabeth, I would love to wrap this with uh, a question we we asked to all of our guests. Um, as we, even in today's environment, just in general, how would you define an elite seller? Whether that's someone you know personally or characteristic skills, how would you define an elite seller? Yeah, the elite seller is the person who really understands their customer. And right now, today, you've got to be kind, you've got to be empathetic, you've got to be compassionate. Everybody's exhausted. Everybody I talk to is exhausted. And, you know, so really getting into doing all the right activities, but really getting to know your customer. Love that. I think that's a great way to wrap it up. We appreciate you jumping on the Elite Selling Podcast. Thank you again. And we will talk to you soon, Elizabeth. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. So great chatting with you guys. Thanks, Elizabeth. Elizabeth, thank you for joining the podcast today. Took away so many great insights. If you're not already following Elizabeth on LinkedIn, be sure to go do so. She's got great content and she's been on a ton of other podcasts that are super valuable. A few key takeaways that I had is number one, be willing to think outside the box and get creative with your deals and with your opportunities. Number two, ask for your executives and internal folks within your company for help in navigating the current situation, navigating your deals, understanding best next steps. And then last but not least, and this might be the most important, know your customer, know their business inside and out, know who's who, know what problems they're trying to solve, what things they're trying to accomplish in the next few years, and make sure you're anchoring your business case and all of your outreach back to that. So again, Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining us. We can't wait to have you back again soon.